0: Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it is sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, that it is the truth. And Lord, as it is proclaimed today by your servant, Pastor Philip, we thank you for him. We thank you for the time that he has spent in the secret place with you in preparation. And Lord, we believe today that although his mouth will speak the words, we pray that this will be a message from on high, That through your spirit you would speak through him to us as your people, through the living word of the living God, for us your living people. And we pray it all, believing for mighty things. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, It is a great joy and privilege uh, to be with you this morning just to share the word of God. A number of years ago, pastor and his wife were traveling from dublin to meet me in glasgow when they arrived in glasgow the woman said you'll never believe what happened to us in dublin airport and so she started to to say that their flight had been delayed and they were they were busying themselves and they were probably doing what i do taking everybody's disposition in and saying to myself, I wonder where he comes from. I wonder what she does for love. And, and all that kind of stuff. And right out of the blue, this lady came over to them, very distressed. And she said, I really need to talk to somebody. And you look like the person I could talk to. And she, she said, I've got something to tell you, and I don't really understand what I'm going to tell you next. But for years, I've been thinking that God could help me out somehow. And my life was in a mess. And two weeks ago, I just cried out to God from my heart. And I really felt as though A burden had been lifted off me and i can't stop smiling and my friends asked me the other day why are you smiling so much and she she just said i have i have no words to explain what happened and the pastor's wife said here sit down and take a seat i know exactly what's happened to you because the same thing happened to me and the pastor's wife told her her story and that's what we do isn't it that's what we do we tell each other our stories it was it was interesting to to see in the video the we the bench here being used through the, the week an individual sitting on the bench and what were they doing telling their stories telling their stories. I was in the, the home of a couple of missionaries, I, I'd barely known them. They lived in Busingan in, in, in Switzerland. And they invited me round to their house for dinner, and we were sitting around the dinner table, and, and we were sharing our stories. They asked me all kinds of questions about myself, i talked to the man and asked him his story and then i looked at the woman and she said to me i love that story in joshua chapter four where the children of israel crossed over the river jordan and joshua said to the people the day before the lord's going to do amazing things tomorrow And he got the priests to put the ark of the covenant on their shoulders and they walked down to the the river and as soon as they got their feet wet the river parted now let me let me just pause there and just say this sometimes the lord asks us to get our feet wet before a miracle happens you just don't sit back and expect god to, to do everything immediately. Sometimes he expects us to take away step of faith. Anyway, the story goes on. Joshua was told by the Lord to choose one man from each tribe of the twelve tribes of Israel to go down to where the priests were standing and to lift out a rock and to take it with them on the other side. Now that evening, the twelve men brought the stones together in Gilgal, and they built a wee altar there and Joshua said to the the people the Lord has said in years to come people will say what do these stones mean? and you'll be able to tell them that today the Lord did an amazing thing here for us and this Little memorial is present here to remind us that the Lord our God is powerful. And then the woman got up from the table and she went over to the cupboard and she got out a bag and she said, These are my stones. And she poured these stones out on the table, and on the stones was a dead and a verse of scripture and she just said this is what god did on this day this is what god did here this is what god did there this is and boy i was so impressed with the whole thing As soon as i get home i got my own bag of skills and my stories in here my stories in the bag and there are verses of scripture here where on the night, whenever I, I cried out to God, just like the woman in the airport, not knowing what I was doing because I was a fourth generation heathen. And, and I didn't know what in the world I was doing, but I just needed God in my life and I cried out to him. And I, I, recommend, I don't recommend that anybody does this, unless you're a fourth generation heathen, all right? because I just opened up the Bible and stuck my finger in and I said, God, if you've heard my prayer, speak to me. And my finger landed on Psalm 119. Now, I think that's really humorous because I think God's got a sense of humor. I asked him for a word and he gave me 176 verses, longest chapter in the Bible. But my finger was sitting on verse nine and it reads like this, how... Can a young man cleanse his way? I was blown away. And here's what it says. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And that night on the 16th of July 1972. Philip McAllister as a 17 year old. uh, He just. Cried out to God, I'm 68, alright, that will will save all the mental gymnastics and you can focus on what I'm saying. (laughs) Philip McAllister knew as a 17 year old that if you're going to go with God, you've got to go with your whole heart. And you experience the best that God can give you if you give Him your whole heart. And my stones are here this morning. And it's good to have those stones. They sit on my desk in the weed bag. But there are times, and I'm not going to hide anything from you here this morning, there are times whenever pastors have doubts. There are times whenever you wonder to yourself, am I doing the right thing here? Is God really with me? And you see, in those moments, Whenever I have those quiet moments on my own. I pour the stones out. And I remind myself. This is what God did. This is what God did. And do you know the amazing thing is? In this wee bag. There are some stones. That don't have anything written on them yet. Do you know why? Because I believe that God hasn't finished with me yet. And he's got other things that he wants to do. In me and through me. And those will be revealed. In the days to come. Earlier this year. I embarked on an in-depth study. For my own benefit. But also for my preaching. On John's gospel. And as I get into John's gospel. I discovered two things about John. John loves to tell stories. And the other thing that I learned is. John is absolutely amazing at telling stories. He tells stories set in the big drama of what's going on, the big things that are going on. But there are also times in John, whenever he gets an individual who has a conversation with Jesus, and boy, things are never the same whenever somebody has a personal conversation with Jesus. One of those I want to read to you this morning. It comes from John chapter 8. Now, I need to explain. In John chapter 7, this is all very public, all right? John 7 is public. Jesus has gone to Jerusalem. He's teaching. The Pharisees come out. They're, They're opposed to what he's saying. They have a big public debate and an argument. And then it says that everyone went home to their own house. But here's how John chapter 8 starts. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Why did he go to the Mount of Olives? Because he needed to talk to the Father. About everything that was going on. Everything that he had faced that day, all the opposition, all the rest of it, he just needed to go and talk to the Father. And then it says this, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered round him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in a He made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And then John just adds a wee bit of detail here for us. I I think he's great. John is brilliant. He, He thinks, you know. I'm going to be writing this, and people don't know what's going on here, so I need to let them know. So, John just says this they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stood down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. And here he is again, putting in a wee bit of detail for us. The over ones first. Until only Jesus was left. Now the whole scene changes here. The whole scene changes. Everything's very public and open. But now only Jesus is left. And the woman is standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one serves, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Now, this is very, very public. And if you can imagine what's going on here, and let's let's try to to set the scene for what Jesus is about to say to this woman. He appears in the temple courts. He goes to church. All right? Let's let's put it in the our terminology. Jesus goes to church. He started the sermon. Everybody's sitting there, and they're listening to what he's got to say. And the door flies open. There is no door in the real story, all right? But this is for us. The door flies open. All these religious leaders walk in. They have this semi-clothed woman And they push her to the front. And they throw her down in front of the preacher. And they say to Jesus. Caught in the act of a don't pray. Moses says she needs to be stoned. What do you say? Now let me just stop there and ask a big question. Because we're not all saints. We're not all sinners. But how would you like somebody to grab hold of you on a sunday morning and drag you in and throw you down in front of everybody and point out what you've done wrong not one of us would like that it's vindictive it's vicious it's awful what this woman is experiencing you see, the law of Moses said this: if you've got two witnesses who see this, then she should be stoned to death. Three, three are better. If you've only got one, then it's his word against hers, so that's no good. You need at least two witnesses. But here they are, and they've all, they've all got the stones in their hand, and they're ready. To stone this woman. And John rightly points out to us that this is a trap. This has got nothing really to do with the woman or anything. She's been set up. She's being used. What the religious leaders want to do is to trap Jesus. Because he has already said he hasn't come to undo the law of Moses. He's come to fulfill it. But if he doesn't order this woman to be condemned to death. Then they're accusing of breaking the law of Moses. But if he says to them. Alright let's do her. He's breaking the law of the land. Because the Romans don't allow anybody. Except them. To put anybody to death. And so Jesus is in a little bit of a dilemma, and he, he sits down, kneels down, and he starts to write, on the sand. And there have been loads of sermons, and I'm sure many of you have heard lots of sermons, and theories about what he wrote on the sand, and all the rest of it. I don't think that's the important thing. I think the important thing is this. Jesus was appalled. At the scene that was before him and he couldn't look at it and so he just got down on the ground he stands up and he says okay the one who has no sin can throw the first stone at her and beginning with the eldest they start to drop their stones until they're all away now everything is very very pretty. And Jesus stands up and he says to the woman, has no one condemned you? And she only speaks three words in the whole story. No one, sir. And then he says this, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sinning. What John is pointing out to us here is that there is a place where perfect love and perfect justice meet. And that place is in Jesus Christ. For when we come to Christ and we confess our wrongdoing and we ask for his forgiveness then he extends mercy to all who will believe in him. Now what we need to understand here is that Jesus does not abandon judgment, but he extends grace and he gives this woman a chance to start again. Louisa Fletcher has written a wee poem that I came across (coughs) called The Land of Beginning Again. I wish there was some wonderful place called The Land of Beginning Again where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all of our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. I wish that it was some wonderful place called the land of beginning again. And John says to us this morning, there is a place where you can begin again. No matter what has happened in the past, You can come to Jesus and experience another chance. I studied this long and hard. I looked at it in every translation that I have. I looked at every commentary that I have. I just went over it and over it and over it again. And here's what I've discovered. There is no expression of belief or faith in Jesus on the part of the woman. All that we know is she gets an opportunity for a new beginning. She gets the opportunity of having another chance at life. But we've no idea what she did. Because John doesn't finish the story. And I feel like choking him. (laughs) Because I'm a romantic. I like to think that everything works out all right. And everybody lives happily ever after. I like to think, and if I was writing the story, here's how I I I would finish it off. When everybody else had gone, when Jesus was gone, she looked at some of those stones and she went over and picked some of them up. And she took them home and she built the wee altar in her house to remind herself that the Lord God Almighty is powerful. Yes, but he's full of grace and mercy. And she would never, ever forget the day that she received mercy instead of judgment. I like to think that maybe one day I'll have the opportunity of talking to her in heaven just to find out what the end of the story was like for her. But the only thing that I can say with certainty here this morning is this. She got another chance. She got another chance to put things right. And John includes this restory story to highlight what he had already written in chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent. Nor of human decision. Or a husband's will. But born of God. When I first came into the Nazarene ministry. The Reverend Leslie Hans was the pastor of the Irving Church. And I spent four months with him. And... Um, doing my assistantship as part of my college course. At the end of that, he was retiring and the church extended a call for me to become the pastor of the urban church. And Mr. Hans stayed in the church after he had retired. Now for some young ministers coming (laughs) into ministry, that would be the worst thing ever. I need to tell you, I'm retired two years and I haven't set foot in character for the last two years except for me a funeral because I want Jordan to grow on his own. And I don't want anybody running to me and asking me questions about what he's doing or anything like that. But Mr. Hans stayed in the church. And I've got to tell you, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Every Monday morning at 11 o'clock, I would arrive at his house and there would be two cups of coffee ready. And we would sit and we would have coffee together. And he would try to put 40 years of ministry experience into my head. He would just he would just give me all these wee scenarios to work on, he would say, now what do you tell you, this happened to me. What would you do if you had a baby? And I would go away and think about it and come back the next week go, mm, that's all right, uh, yeah, I don't think the movie brought that through right, you know, and all this kind of stuff. One morning he knocked the stops off, me. He said we we were going to me, Thought we're gonna leave the church in Nazarene. We're gonna start our own church. Have you any ideas what you would call the church? I said, yes, I do. I, I don't think I'm ever going to leave the church. He said, Fuck, we're leaving the church. And we're gonna we're gonna start our own church. What are you gonna call the church? And I had no idea. And he said, Well, I'm gonna call my church the church of the second way, because people who are in my church will walk further with anybody than anybody else. It doesn't matter who we are, we'll walk with them and we'll try to introduce them to Jesus. That was pretty good, man. And then he said to me, Come back next week with the name of your church. Well, I never had a name for my church, and this one went for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks and it got, got to the point where I was trying to make excuses for not going to coffee because he, he was so intense about this and then I was in the study one Monday morning getting ready for, for Sunday morning and we were going through the book of Jonah and I came to Jonah chapter 3 and chapter 3 verse 1 reads like this the word of the Lord came the second time unto Jonah and I get up off my seat and dance the room. <laughs> I'm going for coffee this morning, all right. I'm going to him with this one right between the eyes. And, and I want the coffee. And you know, he's he's he really was an old rascal. I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm I'm all excited. And he's talking about everything except the name of the church. And I said to him, Are you not going to ask me? And he said, Ask you what. <laughs> I said, the name of the church, you're not going to ask me the name of the church. So he, he said, all right, what are you going to call your church? I said, well, in the study, the morning, journal, all the rest of it, I'm going to call the church, the church of the second chance. Well, that started it. Every week after that, what was the best name for the church? The church of the second man or the church of the second chance? And every week he beat me hands down he just beat me and I I would go home depressed I would say to Ruth he's he's beat me again and she she just looked at me and I understand this now she said to me he's retired he's got nothing else to think about he thinks about it all week and that's why he beats you I got a call to become the pastor of the Catholic Church I went to see him for the last Monday and he said to me today we name the church and then he said this we're going to call our church church of the second night where people get a second chance and then he said this we have no reason to leave the church of the Nazareth because that's the Kenya kind of church that we've got. And for 72 years, this is the Kenya kind of church that has been here in this area. Proclaiming this message, it doesn't matter what's happened, doesn't matter what you've done, what you've become, we'll walk with you because we got another chance and Jesus will give you a, another chance also To took a walk yesterday down to Whitehead <coughs> I was walking along the beach in Whitehead and I picked up some of these wee stones here that you see right at the front me and we are some. them if you want to call it a real author. But I thought to myself as I was walking along the beach, maybe somebody in McGeehan Memorial, tomorrow morning, has had something happen in their life. And they just need to know that nobody's going to throw stones at them. But if they come to Jesus and meet with him, he'll extend to them another chance. And maybe instead of feeling the impact of a stone on their body, they could lift up one of these three stones and just write, today's day on it, and a chance to extend Go to pray. Going to ask the Lord just to, to minister to us this morning. But if you need another chance, the Lord is more than willing to extend that chance to you. To walk with you. As I was saying, these words came to me just before I got up to speak, these are words that I love to read in church. This is what the Lord says. And that's more important than anything I've said this morning. He who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, when you run into difficulty, when you don't get it right, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, when you feel as though you're overwhelmed, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you have no idea how hurtful it is at times whenever people walk away from Jesus or do something that hurts them but the friends won't set you Please, for I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel so don't be afraid for I am with you Lord I want to say thank you that you don't want to condemn us that's why you sent Jesus Into this world. There's no condemnation for those who are in heaven. But there is always the opportunity for another chance. And my prayer this morning would be, Lord, that someone would just open up their heart right now. And say Father I want a chance for me so continue to minister to us, Lord we pray and help us help us to take the hand that is extended to offer forgiveness to us in Jesus name Oh